The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmozone Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD Products. I love using Fusion CBD Products, especially for my recovery. Their Cardio CBD Energy Mix, take that before the workouts on a cardio day. Love using that. Their CBD Intense Relief Rub, that's what goes on the muscle and joints for the recovery. They have their Hydro Drops, put that in the coffee in the morning. Good stuff. They have their Fusion CBD Sports Water, which we will be sipping on during this podcast, as always. Good stuff. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 20% off. FusionCBDProducts.com. You will not be disappointed. This episode is also brought to you by Egg Weights. This stuff is revolutionary. I love sipping these, not sipping these, slipping these on the fingers. They mold to your hands. Great for shadow boxing. They have a two-pound set, a three-pound set, a four-pound set. They have holiday bundles. Improve your hand speed. Improve your cardio. Look at these things. They're comfortable. It's great. You'll never work out the same. It helps you improve. By the way, it's the holidays. It's a great holiday gift for any one of your friends or family members that are fitness enthusiasts, use the promo code SHMO10 to get 10% off at eggweights.com. And the other sponsor of today's show, I'm rocking their shirt right now. It's Sheath Underwear, the most comfortable pair of underwear on the planet. Their anatomical isolation pouch, that's revolutionary. It keeps the family jewels nice and warm at all times. They're extremely comfortable. I rock these underwear all the time. And guess what? They have a holiday sale going on for a limited time. It's 30% off. 30% off when you use the promo code SHMO at sheathunderwear.com. Get yourself some nice underwear. Let's start the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Schmozone Podcast. This is episode number 46. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen E. Sports. Another episode, Helen. Big, big week in the fight game, in the fight world, as always, it seems lately. I know, UFC 256. What a way to round up 2020 with that pay-per-view. I know there's one more fight card coming up this weekend, but... Last weekend was the final pay-per-view of 2020. Final pay-per-view of 2020. This December 19th UFC Fight Night will be there inside the UFC Apex. Yes. A great fight night. It's kind of like lo- lo- just as much loaded as a pay-per-view card. Absolutely. Even though Hamzat Chemayev is not fighting, he will fight in January. But look, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against Jeff Neal, that definitely, and he was our guest last week, I that know. definitely is a headliner. And look at the Bantamweight title, or the Bantamweight fight, sorry, the co-main event, Jose Aldo. And Cheeto Vera. Yeah. And then even another great Bantamweight fight, Rob Font taking on Marlon Marias. That's big. That's big. That's two. Uh, Chaos Williams making his return. Yes. I mean, you, everywhere you Michelle go. Michelle Pereira. Everywhere you go, there's yeah. going to be good fights. But let's recap on 256 while we're here. Do you think the Davidson Figueredo against Brandon Marino fight was the fight of the year? Or is there a different fight for you for fight of the year? Wow, that's a great question. I have to say that was probably the best flyweight fight ever. Hands down. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So first off, props to both Davidson and Brandon Marino. And Brandon, I love that, just like how durable he was. It's amazing too, because if... If Jason Herzog never deducted the point True. for the the groin shot, how would it how would this have been scored? That's what makes it very interesting because it was a majority draw. Yeah. For the champ. It it was really good. Well, to answer your question, what was the best fight I've seen all year? I mean, that one was a great fight. Tang Wei Lee 
versus Joanna. That was a freaking amazing fight. Crazy to think that that was still this year because that's when there was still a crowd. And to me, that was the fight of the year. So I don't want that to get overlooked. And yeah. you said the same one I'm saying. That was back in March, the March 7th or March 8th the pay-per-view final, card. Was that the final fight with fans? That was the final fight with fans because the next week they were in Brazil where Charles Oliveira beat Kevin Lee. Yes. They had no fans there. That's when the shutdowns kind of went rampant worldwide. But for me, for sure, Wiley Zhang, Joanna Young, Jacek, that was the fight of the year. This was yeah. the second best fight of the year. That's what I would say. Yeah, but look, they should all be proud. <laughs> These are all such amazing fights. And talk about that flyweight division. It's amazing because now you have two true flyweights uh, that you know are going to— this is the fight. This is one of those fights that you look forward to the most heading into 2021, this rematch between Moreno and Davidson Figueredo because now Cody Garbrandt, there's all that noise. He's dropping down from 135 bantamweight, going down to flyweight. Well, the conversation isn't around Cody Garbrandt right now fighting for the title. It's back to Moreno doing that rematch, and I think that's fantastic for this division and the long call. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And we definitely all want to see a rematch go down, and I'm sure we will. And then also, uh, before we talk about even the co-main event with Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson, um, the Bantamweight title fight was supposed to be this past weekend as well. Um, Aljamain Sterling, and who's Peter been Yon. on our podcast before. Yes, uh, that will obviously be pushed to uh, Q1, I yeah. imagine. In Fight Island, that fight will happen. Uh, let's talk about Kevin Holland. Kevin I, Holland, five victories geez. in 2020. The way he finished Jockery. Yeah. And you, you talk about, oh, he hasn't fought quality of opponents. Look at the quality of opponents and what's happened since. You know, after he beat Buckley, Buckley then went and had that viral knockout in Fight Island for the victory, too. So that only makes Kevin Holland look good, too. And not just who he's fighting, how he's winning is yes. so impressive, too. Stylistically, he's proving that not only can he win on his feet, but he could win punching off of his back. And the way he just has so much fun with it. And we all know because we've been inside the UFC apex during his fights, the way he talks to his opponents. It's fantastic. It reminds me of this. And I don't want to make comparisons because their fighting styles are completely different. But I've said this to you before, but just the rise of Israel Adesanya. I feel is similar to how Kevin Holland is rising now. I'm not saying, look, hey, Kevin Holland is going to be the middleweight champion, but I do think he's going to fight for the middleweight championship belt in 2021, and I think he could win it. I'm not saying he will win it, but I think I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever if he does win it. It reminds me of that, the trajectory-wise. Who knows what will happen? Could he... Could he match him? Could he surpass him? Possibly, but it just reminds me of uh, when Izzy was rising. He is 5-0 in 2020. Is he a contender for you for Fighter of the Year? 100%. He is the uh, Schmo Fighter of the Year, I think, in contention for that, which we can get into, which will be unmasked over the next couple of weeks. I know. And didn't, hint, hint. Yeah, and also, didn't he say the only way to top the 2020 was... Coming on this podcast right here, the Schmozone podcast, but in person because we've done a, we've, we've we've done a digital thing where we brought yeah. him in, but it's not the same. We'll get him sitting down next to us in studio, um, which will be great. And lastly, something else uh, on this card: Cub Swanson, who's also been on our show, um, a year from his knee injury, he comes back and then. He no. gets it done. He yeah. he gets it done, and uh, we had Cub on the show. Couldn't have happened to a greater guy, and it goes to show you that it doesn't matter if you're middle age in your mid-30s. You can come on in here, and you can make noise. You can make things happen. Speaking of making things happen, uh, I wanted to bring in a great guest today, and um, we're going to get into it. I don't think there's a more appropriate person to have on the podcast on the show today than this man right here. We were inside the gym when he was there getting work in, He's the one and only former professional fighter, holding some belts, fighting for some big belts, and then he just trained uh, one of the most popular, I could call him the most popular figures in, uh, we'll say not just entertainment, but in sports right now, because it seems like everybody's talking about this kid, Jake and Paul. for good reason, for Jake Paul. He's Jake Paul's trainer in his corner, the one and only BJ Flores. Thanks for joining the Schmo Zone, man. Yes, thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. 
Of course, man. Thank you for uh, stopping in here. Um, I know you probably expected the schmo, and you'll get the schmo, <laughs> but uh, this is the platform where I go out of character for the one time of the week. <laughs> I was hoping to get the schmo, but it's uh, as long as you promise him a little later, we're good. I promise him a little bit later. I won't disappoint you, um, but uh, I was just bringing it up, too. We were in the gym. We were in Bones Adams' gym with you. You guys were gracious enough to bring us in the camp a couple weeks ago. We saw Jake in action getting ready for the Nate fight, and we saw your coaching with him firsthand. We saw the improvements in the hand speed because we were also at the Gibb fight that was over the Super Bowl yeah. at the beginning of this year. We just so happened to be there, and yeah. uh, major difference in a year. Jake's had a big year. Um, I really don't know how to put it any better than that. He, uh, When I came on with him last year, uh, in Big Bear, December 20th, I actually arrived at Shane Mosley's house in Big Bear. And um, he was a tough kid, very rugged, very tough. I liked his attitude. He listened very well. You know, the one thing people say about him is, you know, he's, he's hard to control. That's the opposite of what I've seen. He does everything. He listens very well. He's, he's, a, he's a very, very smart competitor. So what I saw out of him in Big Bear in that month and a half, I was very impressed. And, uh, you know, after he knocked out Gibb in one, in one round, which we expected, um, I moved out to California. He made me an offer, and we went out there, and we started working. And, you know, during the whole COVID and the whole, the whole pandemic, we were just training at a private gym, just us, working on, a, on his craft. And uh, it's showing up now, and it's going to show up a lot next year. Yeah, let's take the audience a whole step back and everything, because there's a lot of people that don't know the story and get behind it. But how did you link with Jake Paul? How did that relationship begin? I know you just touched yeah. on it briefly with yeah. Shane Mosley, mm -hmm. who was originally in his corner. How did you get in touch with him and then walk us through that? I got a call December 20th from a buddy of mine, um, Armani, here in Vegas, who's was friends with Jake and worked with Jake at the time and said, hey, look, Jake's cleaning up all the sparring partners. Like he's He doesn't have anyone to spar with right now. Would you be okay to come to Big Bear for the next, you know, five weeks until his fight and work, you know, help him spar with him, you know, get him ready for the fight? You know, I was coming off a year and a half off the couch. Like, you know, I'd fought a lot of big fights, but I'd been retired for almost two years. So, you know, I looked at the opportunity and I said, yeah, sure. I came out and uh, <clears throat> we started working and sparring. I think we sparred two or three times. And, um, you know, after a couple of sessions, I, I saw a lot of like, I saw a lot of like upside in Jake. I was like, look, this, this kid's tough. He's not just like some, you know, you, YouTube kid that just like runs his mouth. He, he really lives it. So I like legit started like trying to help him to do things like a professional, bring his legs, bring his head, punch with his body, um, get his head off the center, different things like that to really help him. And we started doing the mitts and it just so happened that Shane was out of town for like five days for a family vacation that he had planned for like almost two years. So while he was gone for those five days, I was doing a lot of the pad work with Jake and helping Jake. And um, afterwards, whenever Shane got back, I was going to go home and Jake asked me to stay. So I stayed on and helped and, and did the pad work with him and helped him and ran with him in the mornings and did everything. And then after the fight, um, I wasn't in his corner for the Gibb fight because they were only allowed three in the corner. And I was fine with it. I didn't care. But I was in the dressing room doing the pads and all that kind of stuff and talking to him about strategy. And I watched a lot of film with Jake. And my background is I was um, on the USA team for three years. So I fought USA versus China, Korea, France, Germany, Australia. And one thing they, they really <clears throat> try to break down for you, when you whenever you fight for the USA team is every style has got a way to beat it. You can beat any type of style if you bring the right set of tools to the table. We watched a lot of video. We broke down film. And uh, that was something that I, I got to be very good at, was watching film, watching my opponents, how they fought, and learning what I could do to defeat their strengths. And, and that's what I brought in with Jake. And a quick side note, too. I know for the 2006 Rio Olympic Games, you were an analyst for yeah. NBC. 2012. So 2012. Yep. And 2000. Uh, I was 2012 and 2016. 16. Yep. Well, and I'll do them again next year. I was just going to ask yeah. you that. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I was going to do them this year, but we got a little caught up with uh, you know, COVID. So. Of course. Yeah. But, um, what was your initial impression of Jake when you first met him and also kind of watching him trying to develop as a boxer? Yeah, just just a really tough kid. Um, sharp, a lot of a lot of raw talent. Like people think people, you know, it's, it's, it's a big mistake. Like people will underestimate because of the attitude they see um, on social media. They'll think, you know, that's how he really is in real life. But his his real life is completely different than, you know, what people see on social media. He shows you what what he wants you to see. But he doesn't see you. You don't see the behind the scenes, you know, five mile mountain runs. You don't see the hundreds and hundreds of sprints at the track. You don't see um, the mountain runs, the 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 four hundred meter timed uh, sprints, the eight hundred meter time sprints, the hundreds of rounds of sparring. You know, you don't see all that stuff. But it's because we don't want you to see it. But on the fight night, <laughs> they'll see it. 
and we'll get into all of that. But yeah. coming from the traditional boxing world, yeah. which you come from, yeah. and then obviously we're in this day and age now where a lot of people are like, who are these YouTubers? Who are these right. influencers getting into boxing? Did you get a lot of flack, and do you continue to get a lot of flack for being involved in this in the first place? Um, a little bit, but it kind of dies down. Like I don't, you know, I don't really entertain it. Like people who tell me stuff like, "Oh, that's embarrassing" or whatever. I'm like, "Come down to the gym and get in with them if you want." Like it's it's not it's not he's not playing a game. I'm telling you, like like a lot of real fighters who came in the gym, like, "Oh yeah, I'll go easy on him." I'm like, "No, no, you need to come in and do everything you can so you can make it the four rounds." I'm telling you. So I, I've kind of flipped the script on that. Like I'm, we're not we're not playing games. Like he's not at a world championship level yet as a professional boxer yet. But these MMA guys that are coming over, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. All of them. Yeah. yeah, and we'll definitely touch on that. But let's talk about some of those pure boxers. Like, has someone like Caleb Plant, you know, the IBF uh, middleweight champion, yeah. uh, come in there and seen him work? And I'd like to know what his thoughts are. Did he get in the ring with him? He did never box Caleb. Um, I don't know when Caleb came in the gym and saw him, but I know Michael Hunter, who's a heavyweight, a top heavyweight. Um, a lot of other guys who have seen him box have been, you know, very impressed. But not to mention the guys he spars with on a regular basis. Ahmed Eliobi, a very, very, very good light heavyweight only one loss to Jean Pascal, former world champion. Very good. Rob Safar, up and coming prospect, ten and zero. Very, very tough. Very aggressive fighter. Jay Leon Love, the kid who just beat Matt Korobov at 168 pounds. Uh, Ronald Ellis. Jake spars with him regularly too. Um, Hasim Rockman Jr. nine and zero. I mean, Jake spars a lot of good guys regularly. That's why it might seem like it's it's very far off for him to fight these guys, these 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 UFC guys in the boxing ring, but it's not. I mean, it's right upon us, and he can do it right now. So. Well, look, man, I thought there was a plan to call out Conor McGregor and fight him in 36 months. Yeah. There seems to be a pressing push to fight Conor McGregor now, yeah. get him signed now. He's trending right now, man. He's calling out Dana White. <laughs> he's he's uh, trashing his oh, wife, man. man. Yeah. He's, he's pulling out all the stops. Yeah. I think he just egged on set Dylan Danis, who's yeah. doing the Food Truck Diaries. Wet, wet toilet paper is what it was. Oh, wet toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, he's doing everything. Yeah. He's getting people to click and to talk about him. And yeah. I hate to say this, but th I mean this in a, in a in a positive way, in the sense of clicks. And it's all about money. And yeah. we we could get to your bank account because maybe he's helping that too, <laughs> quite a bit. But it's like they're bringing the Kardashian world of entertainment yeah. into sports. So the Kardashians right. of the combat sports world right now, the Paul brothers. Yep, it's uh, it's exciting. You know, Logan announced that he's fighting Floyd, and you know, I love Logan. I don't work with Logan. I wish him the best, but. You know, Logan is just, uh, you know, to me, Jake's brother. I don't work with him at all. But Jake, I mean, he's right in the thick of things. I mean, coming off the fight with Nate, who we, we're not saying Nate was a great fighter. Nobody's saying that. But we know what we know, and nobody else does. So that's why we're very confident going forward with some of these MMA guys. You see uh, Nate Diaz calling Jake out. Yeah. You see Dylan Dennis calling him out. You see Connor not calling him out, everybody except Connor. But that's fine. If we got to beat somebody else or beat two more people to really put it in everybody's face, then we're happy to do it. But do you think he's even ready to fight Conor McGregor right now, or do you think 36 months or what? As you, as his coach, is he be blunt with us? Is he ready today to fight a Conor McGregor? I mean, in the boxing ring, yeah, he really could. Um, I would like for him to have a little more experience before. But if we got the if we could get the fight with Conor, he would take it in a second. And I genuinely believe that over six rounds or eight rounds, we'd win the fight. I do, but. Um, you know, people aren't people can't comprehend that. They cannot understand how possibly, you know, Jake Paul, a kid who just started boxing really three years ago, how he could possibly compete with one of the greatest strikers in UFC history, Conor McGregor. He's one of my favorite fighters. I love him. I think he's an amazing fighter. He's, he's a great personality. But you bring him to the boxing ring, and he's going to have a very, very tough time with Jake. He's definitely not knocking Jake out, but Jake has a good chance to knock him out, and he could probably outpoint him too. So, How do you think McGregor um, fared against Mayweather in that fight? How do you think he performed up until the end? I feel like it looked like it was a competitive fight. And I feel like what actually happened was is that Floyd let Connor get off for three or four rounds, get him tired a little bit, kind of give everybody a show because Floyd is getting a lot of flack at the time for not putting up good fights. He was getting a lot of uh, criticism for you know going the distance, running away, like that kind of stuff. And he, he wasn't getting the credit he deserved for beating good fighters. But with Connor, he knew, Floyd, Floyd knew that you can't just come in in three or four months' time and learn how to fight 12 rounds. So I'm just going to let him tire himself out, let him get off, put on a good show, and then I'm just going to walk him down the last four rounds. So remember, Floyd's 147 pounds. Floyd's the greatest fighter of all time, no question about it. But he's 42 or 43 when he beat Conor, and he was retired, and he's not a big puncher, but he's just an accurate, very athletic guy. So this is, with Jake, it's a different kind of fight, completely different. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I feel like Conor made a good showing, but I think him and Floyd kind of worked together on it, you know? 
What about Floyd against Logan? I mean, Logan to me um, has not taken boxing not near as serious, so I can't really comment on that. But I think, you know, I think you know Logan's gonna <laughs> he he better be ready because he's gonna get touched up pretty good. But remember, Floyd's what two or three years older now than he was then. He still doesn't abuse his body though, so that'll help him a lot. But he's still you know forty five. Is that what he is? Yeah, he's mid forties. Yeah, he's forty five. So I mean, it's tough to go in there with a guy like Logan, um, even though you're the greatest of all time. I mean, father time never loses. So. Here's my theory. Feel free to comment and chime yeah. in. But so he, he uh, Jake gets this viral knockout of Nate, and yep. he's the talk of town everywhere. It's going every. I mean, wh- everyone's watching this. Yep. He gets to shine for about four days. Then Logan comes in there, and they get this announcement that he's fighting Mayweather, and it take the big brother comes in and takes all the shine from the little brother. <laughs> and then I think that derailed any of these plans. So yep. it's like shit. Now I got to one up my big brother, which I had worked so hard to do. That's why he's pressing hard right now for this Conor McGregor stuff, for Nate Diaz, for Dylan Dennis, and calling everybody on the MMA world. Which, by the way, I think Dana's come back and even said he could fight Amanda Nunes. Oh my God, <laughs> I would invite I would invite Dana to come to the gym and watch Jake work out, or Dana can get in there himself and feel what Jake's working with, and he can then he can come back and forget about that Amanda Nunes shit. Yeah. Well, she's she's the best uh, fighter, female fighter in MMA history, and she's got some great hands. But that's uh, that's great. But she's won't. I mean. This is we're talking apples and oranges here. I mean, Dana, you're welcome to come to the gym anytime, bro. Like anytime you want to come watch and you get that just don't even bring up that Amanda Nunez shit. It's ridiculous. So who would you want to yeah. see him realistically fight next then? I mean, is it still the YouTube side? You want no, him to fight a boxer? I, we, we don't even want to fight Nate called Jake out. Yeah. Nate, Jake didn't want to fight Nate, you know? We knew it would be, you know, a weird fight and an easy fight and you know, you got these guys who are like, "Oh, look, you haven't fought anybody. You haven't fought any professional athletes, and all that. That doesn't matter in fighting combat sports. It does not matter. Athletes are never converted into into uh, you know combat athletes. They never are. It doesn't work. So Jake didn't want the fight. I didn't want the fight. They came to me and said, "Look, let's just get out of the way. Let's do a little warm up fight. Keep us busy till we get something bigger." So we did it. Then it got pushed back four more months. So it's not like we were like you know all excited about this Nate fight. It was just like part of the big picture. So who I would like to see Jake fight next? Who he's calling out? Um, it looks like Dylan and it looks like Nate Diaz, honestly, either one of those guys. Nate Diaz called Jake out. Like, it's not like, you know, Jake was going after Nate, but I mean, Nate is underestimating Jake greatly. And I think that's a big advantage for us. And if Nate wants to, um, he's a bigger name than Dylan Dennis by quite a bit. And I love that style matchup for Jake in this fight. So as long as we're in the boxing ring, we're going to be just fine. Uh, just to your credit, too, about the whole Nate thing, just for everybody listening, Videl Riley came in the studio and said that Jake was going to knock him out. Yeah. So, I mean, he uh, people people knew. People but knew. Vidal it was is a, a boxing guy. Even if he doesn't like Jake, yeah. he is a boxing guy. And he's also came out publicly and said, look, JJ, KSI does not need to fight Jake Lynx. And that's the honest truth. I mean, everybody can just put the whole thing to bed about why Jake and KSI aren't fighting. KSI doesn't want to fight him. And then also his trainer, his, his most trusted guy says, look, don't fight him right now. So we'll just leave it at that. But, um, you know, there's other names out there that Jake can get on and, and, and they're big names, bigger than bigger than KSI. But do you see where this is all heading, though? Oh, of course. You know what I'm going to say next? I, I think so. Let's hear. He's going to end up fighting his brother, man. They're looking. <laughs> is, that, is that what you were thinking real quick before I get into it? I mean, I feel like he could fight his brother, but I feel like after he beats, um, you know, Dylan, after he beats someone like Nate, you know, do we want to like go back? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, throw an insult, but it's like we trying to go back and fight Logan. Like, af- I think after after Floyd and Logan, I mean, I don't know how much market value there's going to be for Logan. I don't know. So that's a, that's a good point too. Yeah, to look so at we'll see too. what happens. Yeah. But he, I've heard them go out and say, look, the Klitschko brothers never fought each other, and if, yeah. if, if we're going fighting these big names, it's going to lead to this. And what yeah. brothers would do this? It would be the biggest thing ratings wise possible. Yeah. And at their core too, they're they're entertainers, and oh, yeah. I think they understand that oh, yeah. completely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And them getting us even here talking about it, or anybody else in the sports media world or entertainment world talking about it, they're winning that way right. because they're bank accounts are winning 100 percent. well do you think that we'll be seeing more and more like youtubers or social media personalities go into boxing i know a lot of people like get excited when they see jake fight that are like in that in that line of work like the youtubers but of all those guys like saying they're gonna fight less than a half a percent of those guys are willing to put the work in like jake's been able to put in so jake submerged himself in it and he's not like He's not just all talk, like trust, like we're, we're down, like any, like <laughs> this kid is legit. Like anybody I put him in with in the sparring and the training, like he doesn't care who's across from him. He does not care. Like he's really all about it. And 
he's now getting the tools and the weapons that when he goes into the ring, he's able to figure out and compute what he needs to do against any different style of guy. I mean, he sparred over 250 rounds in the last, you know, 12 months. And not just against guys off the street, against a lot of good guys who are good professionals. And he, look, he's taking his lumps and bruises in the gym, too. And he's taking them like a man. And that's a big part of being a good professional. I mean, you spent a long time in the amateurs, and you became a pro in 2003. You've been in this game a long time. How yeah. do you think boxing got to this point where we have these celebrities, these YouTubers getting in there and out-dueling numbers-wise the traditional boxers? It's like they are completely yeah. you know, changing, morphing the sport into something different yeah he's just he's a he's a he's a superstar really that's all you can say i mean he's got an x factor that you cannot teach and uh you know some people are born with it and some people aren't and uh, it is what it is and you can't hate on it you gotta people who are in a good place in their life are happy for jake people who aren't in a good place in their life are like oh he's this is bs blah 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 so it's just like you know um i love it i feel like it's good because it's bringing new eyes and new audience to the boxing world and i feel like it's it's creating fans out of people who might have never watched boxing before but how did boxing get to this point like we can get into yeah. this too because i know you were at the earl spence danny garcia yeah, fight and who was there in attendance terrence crawford and yeah. we talked about this yeah. uh, on the last show and i know helen's been adamant and brought this up like why didn't Terrence Crawford get in the ring? If you want to see the best fighters fight the best fighters, that's Terrence Crawford, yeah. and then it's Errol Spence Jr. for all the welterweight golds. But we don't see that happening because you know you got the top rank, you got PBC, you got yeah. the different press. The best fighters don't fight the best fighters, so that's why I think it left this avenue open in boxing, where hey, let's get fights that are going to get the most amount of views, and then insert a guy like Jake Paul, Logan Paul, and here we are. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I like what you said about, you know what you said earlier about Logan and Jake and I like what you said about you know Jake had to like one up his brother a little bit because he came out and I absolutely love what you said now because it is difficult with the promoters and the managerial aspect of getting certain guys through promotional companies to fight other guys when they're ready to fight and they want to work it out and whose network's it on and where's it at and where's the setting and you know what why don't we just put a huge massive personality in there to fight anybody anywhere and bring crossover sports from like crossover stars from other sports like MMA it's it just makes too much sense. Well, what do you think should be done to kind of improve that part or to ensure that the the best fighters get to fight the best fighters? I'm kind of learning as we go, you know what I mean? Like as far as that goes, that's always been besides like, you know, the 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 early 2000s, uh, you know, 2010 to 2000 now, it's it's been difficult. Like remember how long it took for Manny and Floyd to fight? Remember how long it took for, you know, uh, Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis to fight two or three years? Like it just... It, in hindsight, it's not that long, but at, at the time, it seemed like they'd never fight. You know what I mean? So um, I just, I'm not exactly sure what the answer is. The promoters would have to work together you know, better, but obviously, there's a lot of money involved and they want to be in control and they want to know who's judging. And they want to know where the fight's at and just a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. But that's where I feel like the UFC's been able to thrive yeah. in MMA sports too, because Dana White has control of the ship and he doesn't let the best fighters slip away without fighting the best fighters. If there's a fight to make, whether it's a middleweight going up to light heavyweight, he'll make that happen. Right. Like Israel Adesanya, who was on the yeah. broadcast oh, too, yeah. like he's not going to Love just that guy. Great love, guy. And love, 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 love the guy. He came over to the house afterwards and just such a positive, massive, just a great personality and just charismatic and a great fighter and just so inspirational and just such a, such a one of those guys where you get around and you're like, man, I don't want this guy to leave. Really how, cool guy, yeah. Yeah, how was he vibing with, with Jake? I Amazing. Saw him posting photos, oh, talking yeah. music. Oh, yeah. He sat on the patio with me and Jacob, um, mild trainer, and the guy who did the cuts for Jake and wrapped Jake's hands. We talked for 20 minutes just about just about life, where he's from, all that kind of just. He was just a great, a very easygoing guy, a very um, non-self-centered guy, just a, just, a, just a great guy. And he wasn't, you know, those, those guys you get around that it's just all about them and all about them. It's, that's not him. And it's just it's impossible not to like a guy like Adesanya. He was great. Loved medium. Highlight of the night. Super genuine. Yeah. We, lo yeah. we love having him on. Uh, I He's guess great, yeah. I've never interviewed him like this, just as yeah. the schmo, but yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we've talked a bunch of times, too. Uh, but but for him, for example, like yeah. he's cleaning out the middleweight division, oh, yeah. and now he's going up to fight Jan Blachowicz at light heavyweight. So you're, Dana White's making the best fighters yeah. fight the best fights, the best ones available, and that's why I think a sport like MMA or the UFC in particular is able to thrive. You're right. You know, one, whenever one guy's in control of everything, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the NFL, every team's got to play every team, um, you know. Major League Baseball, they all got to play eventually. But in boxing, it's just, you got that weird thing where you got these promoters who have, kind of have their own interests at heart and in, in their mind and how they're going to make money and who they're going to match them with. And, you know, eventually, normally, though, the promoters, like, get together and say, look, this is the biggest money fight out there, and this is the fight we got to make. But it just hasn't quite happened yet with Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. And I think it's probably because of the car wreck last year, and I think with another 6 to 12 months, we might see those guys get together.
Well, I've seen Helen a bunch of times over the past couple of years. She's even pressed this. Who did you bring this up to? You brought this up to, uh, to uh, Mayweather Promotions. Leonard, um, Ellerby. Leonard Ellerby. Yeah. And uh, she's never been able to get a direct answer for it because obviously we know it's a money situation. Okay. Uh, but it's something that we've always noticed because we don't just cover the UFC or right. MMA. We right. cover boxing, all different sports. And it's just something that's always bothered us. It's like, this is what's missing. What did Leonard say? What was the question you asked, Helen? What did Leonard say? You have to, you have to follow up. Tell him. What yeah, did, tell me. Was that a Gervonta Davis question? Oh, was it about Gervonta? Yeah. No. Okay. It, it was just about why. Uh, wait. What? What did he say? Where it was? It was like what fans? Yeah. What fans? Because I said the fans want to see, and he was like, "What fans want to see that fight?" He which was, Which yeah. fight were you talking about? He was Errol Spence and uh, Terrence Crawford. Oh, of course. I mean, the fan, everybody in the boxing industry wants to see that fight. Now, the, the question is, is Terrence Crawford, and here's where it gets difficult. I want 50-50. I want 60-40. Yeah, then the it gets, side, B side. And then it gets interesting because, look, like Errol Spence's two fights with Mikey Garcia and with Sean Porter both did over 300,000 buys. Terrence Crawford's never cracked 125,000 buys. In this sport, you eat what you kill. So whatever you bring in, that's the money you make. So you can't come in only having ever sold one hundred twenty-five thousand to another guy and say, "Hey, I want half of." It just doesn't work that way. So, isn't that how Jake made his money too? It's like you have links and stuff like that. People who sign up through your digital streaming yes. link and stuff like that, you yes. get a percentage that way. Yes. And why don't they work at that? They have a base payment, and yes. then you get the share for people who sign up through through your stream. One hundred percent. Like, there's none of these boxers yeah. that are promoting it on social media. I mean, outside that, I could think of then a Ryan Garcia. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. does it right. Yeah. Teofimo's learning. He's getting it right. He's yeah. proving in the ring too. But Ryan Garcia understands this digital media for the younger audience. Speaking of Ryan Garcia, he's got a very very tough fight coming up January second. I want to say. Yeah. But he's got a very tough matchup. Luke Campbell, this kid coming over yeah. from the UK, is a monster. He's a gold medalist. He's only lost to the, the elite of the elite, and that's going to be a very interesting fight for Ryan Garcia. So. I hope he pulls through. We like Ryan a lot, but that's a probably a 60-40 fight, not in his favor. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen Ryan yeah. Garcia spend time with Jake over yeah. with you guys. Oh, yeah. Like, What's been that synergy like? Are they going to fight each other one day? No, I mean, Ryan's 130 pounds. We wish him the best. You know, he's a great talent. You know, him and Jake are friends, so that's pretty much it. But, um, you know, we, we keep tabs on what he does. We, we, we're pulling for him. You know, we like him. He's a good kid. He's, uh, you know, so I want him to win the fight against Luke Campbell. This is going to be interesting because whenever you're coming off so many first-round and early-round knockouts, it's tough to go in there with a guy if you get in rounds three, four, and five who's been on that championship level for a long time. Very tough. Is this his last fight with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions? I think so, um, as long as they don't have any kind of like weird um, extension where if he wins a certain type of title or he's paid a certain amount up to a certain fight, then he has to extend his contract. It'll, it'll probably be his last one. What about the fight over the weekend as well? Anthony Joshua. Man. <laughs> Good fight. I know. Yeah. And then they're talking about him versus Tyson Fury. It's a great fight. Right? It's an amazing fight. Yeah. The most charismatic guy in heavyweight boxing, Tyson Fury. I was at his fight whenever he fought uh he fought the uh, the tall kid uh Otto Wallin. Not Otto Wallin, the one right before him, the Tom, whatever's Tom Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was at the fight. And look, I mean, I was already a Tyson Fury fan, but once the song came on, I live in America. And he had the little outfit on and everything. I mean, we were all just in the stands, just like dancing. It was man, we had the best time. And Tyson Fury just brings that that electric excitement to the ring. And he's bigger than life. He really is. I mean, he's just such a big personality. He'll fight anybody. He comes from a long, long tradition of bare knuckle fighters. Um, you know, up in Ireland and up in that Manhattan, North, North England area. And he's just it's impossible not to like him. So I think it's a great fight. I can't wait to see the fight. But Tyson Fury's just man, he's one of my favorite fighters out there. Top five schmo interview of all time for sure and Deontay Wilder too. he's hilarious no so Tyson Fury I interviewed Tyson Fury on NBC whenever he fought Steve Cunningham in 2012 at Madison Square Garden the best interview I've ever done hilarious we were only scheduled for like 20 minutes we went like 45 minutes and finally the producer was like hey we got to cut this interview off we we're just dying laughing Freddie Roach myself Kenny Rice and Tyson Fury he had us rolling the entire time I've been a fan ever since so going back to Jake though too, yeah. like do you do you envision him spending time with Freddie Roach at all too? Going up to wildcard boxing, uh, going to the downstairs gym, not the upstairs gym, and getting <laughs> work with some of those those big up and coming fighters, and you know taking a real echelon level in the sport of boxing because what he's twenty three years old. You know you don't hit your prime till you're in your late twenties, early thirties, right? Yeah, he. Uh, you know we're doing. <clears throat> the reason we left California is because I wanted him to get top class a level sparring and to be honest with you in vegas we get better sparring than we can possibly get in california guys go from their houses in in you know new york or florida they go to california to train 
everybody comes to Vegas to train. Everybody. Vegas has more sparring partners than anywhere else. So my my ideology behind the whole thing was bring Jake to the area where is the boxing hotbed of, of the world, really, Las Vegas. It always has been. So me bringing Jake down here was all about the sparring. And uh, we'll probably stay here because we have so many good sparring guys on every day of the week. And that's what's helped Jake improve so much. We were in Big Bear before. The isolation was great, but not as great as what the sparring has done for Jake in the last 10 months. He had to raise his ring IQ, which he's done greatly in the last you know year. How's the balance of the social media world and the boxing world? Because there's got to be some sort of overlap and blend. Is there like, hey, you yeah. know, you're like, you know, BJ says, hey, this is boxing only. Yeah. Put the girlfriend aside. Put the TikToking aside. Put yeah. the Instagram. Put it all to the side. We're boxing now. Yeah. How does that all work dynamically? He's he's just he. I mean, it's business. You know, we talk every morning. We come up with a game plan what we're going to do that day. Um, we actually come up with with a game plan the night before. But he's not. He's got a team of guys that does that stuff for him. So he just kind of like jumps in, does a little video, and then he's out. They all work on it. He doesn't. He's he spends his time resting. He spends his time getting rehab, getting treatment. Like this, this like we came to California to focus. We don't. There's no girls allowed in the house. Period. Like there's not even. This isn't some like kind of you know for like sorority house or something like that or fraternity house where people are coming in and out. We're doing videos. No, it's all boxing, and that's going to show in the next twelve months. There's no uh, filming stuff and all that. Like if we film anything, it's just him doing a little clip of something and that's it. But we're we don't miss any training sessions for anything else besides boxing. That's it. How much do you think he made on that last fight? A lot, man. A lot. How much do you get out of that? A lot. <laughs> do you get like a percentage <laughs> like a normal trainer? No, is it just, a fixed fee or is I it just, how does it work out? It's just, it's good, man. Like, I, I, I'm I, not comfortable talking money at all, but Jake, Jake's a superstar and uh, I benefit off his ability to be a superstar and he benefits off my ability to raise his boxing level to a level he couldn't have done without me. So, But it's just we work together and he's my boy and I got his back and he's got me and that's it. So I'll rephrase this without talking numbers and cents. Will you ever train another fight? fighter that will make you more money than Jake Paul? I don't know. Um, I doubt it. I mean, I feel like Jake's, uh, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a diamond in the rough and now he's, people are starting to see what kind of excitement he brings. But the, the, the craziest thing about it to me is nobody has any idea on how good of a fighter he is. And I want to just like keep it nice and quiet. So um, nobody has any idea. And that's why these, these uh, MMA guys are coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, I'll whoop his ass for free. You got guys like Henry Cejudo, 135 pounds. I was like, buddy, you can come to the gym anytime you want. Anytime you want, and you can see firsthand, you got uh, Cody Garbrandt calling him out and everything. I'm like, bro, no problem. Come in anytime you want, but obviously that's not going to sell. You're too small. But if you want to come to the gym and check it out and tape it and film it, whatever you want, anytime you want, you can come to the gym and, and check it out. But the secret we've kept really well, and we've kept a lot of his sessions private, is because I don't want people to know the 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 kind of things he's doing in the sparring session. So good guys, top guys. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. you allowing us to come in there a few 100%. weeks ago, yeah. and we saw it too. Just the first thing I noticed, just from just in the year's time, is just the hand speed is completely improved. Defense, hand speed, head off the center. He knows how to attack. He changes levels now. He's up and down. He's a body. Any any good boxer is going to create vulnerabilities to the opponent by changing levels, by going up and down through taunts and feints, getting your opponent to get off balance. Those are the kind of things that make very simple looking fighters great you know you don't have to do a lot of things great but you have to do a couple things great you know it, and it's very important that jake gets very good at those basic fundamentals that's all we've worked on the last year taunting feigning changing levels getting your eye balance walking him into shots and not to mention jake's a very very good puncher which i don't like to talk about because i like everyone just to think he's technical and he's good but once they get in there it's too late so I know you mentioned earlier that um, next for Jake, you would like to see him fight one of the MMA fighters. Yeah. But are there any boxers that you'd like to to see him fight against? The the traditional boxers are not like as mouthy a lot of times. You know, they don't make they don't sell the fight like as much as some of the MMA fighters. And I think it's a little more even playing field if you got a guy you know who's only been boxing two and a half three years fighting against guys who have been doing combat sports for fifteen years. I don't necessarily want to see Jake in there boxing guys that have been boxing their entire life with no social media following who won't sell the fight. I'd rather him being in there with guys who have boxed, you know, done combat sports for 10 years, huge advantage on Jake, but are also well-known in their respective sport and kind of coming over and it kind of makes it interesting, like a like a hybrid type of fight. I just think it makes, it's a better sell. I don't know, so. So I think Logan might be a week or two away from starting his fight camp against Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> who the hell is he bringing in for this fight camp, and what's he going to do to actually shock the world? I, I mean, he I, claims the biggest upset in sports history yeah. if he does this, but no one's it's fifty and zero for reasons. Floyd Money Mayweather. Yeah, I just I don't know what Logan can do. I have no idea. He's never asked you to help train no, him. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I stay in my lane with Jake, and yeah. Jay, Logan will come watch me and Jake train, and he'll be like. 
You know, that's, wow, Jake's really, you know, but I just leave it at that. So what is the relationship like during this this whole time? You've seen it firsthand. Like, I mean, I would like to think that both of these kids are pretty close growing up. They They feed the odds. They're very, very successful. They're extremely competitive, not just against other people, but with each other. Right. Logan is a a great older brother, I feel like. You know, him and Jake, of course, are other little things, but Logan is... Man, he's genuinely happy for Jake. He's at the fights. He's very supportive. And Jake does the same thing with Logan. I mean, he genuinely loves him. He's his older brother. He really cares about him a lot. He invites him to stuff. Logan comes over all the time. I mean, in my opinion, they have a great relationship, but they're both, you know, entertainers. They're both in the show business. So, um, you know, there's two parts of the show business. There's the show, and then there's the business, and they both understand that very well. So, What about the parents? Uh, oh, my God. They're great, yeah. That's that's the sense that they're, I see too. They're but. great, and one thing about one thing about them both, they're both very close to their parents. So you know, pa, uh, Pam and Greg, um, they're just they're very involved in their kids' lives. They come to all the fights. You know, I'll talk to them. You know, every month or whatever, and just kind of check in and see how they're doing. So they're, I mean, they're 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 great parents. I love them both. They're they're. <laughs> it's hard to fall too far away whenever you have parents like that, honestly. So Jake and Jake and Logan both were raised very well. And then what was the conversations like with Mike Tyson? Because I know that oh, Jake man. had spent time with, oh. with the legend. Oh, amazing, bro. Just a God. I'm like, Mike is just such a legend, such an icon. And Jake was just like, you know, the, the main reason why Jake fought Nate is because he wanted to be on a Mike Tyson card. That's the main reason. He didn't really care about Nate. He just wanted to fight anybody. He didn't care on a Mike Tyson card because Mike is so iconic. And Mike is just, you know, Jake calls him Uncle Mike and... uh you know, for good reason. I mean, Mike really took Jake under his wing and said, look, invited us out to the ranch. We hung out there and Mike just gave him a lot of good advice and a lot of deep advice and advice that only, you know, somebody could give you if they had been through certain, you know, real tribulations in their life. And Mike was just so heartfelt and so warm to Jake. And Jake, Jake picks up on that shit quickly. Like if you're genuine with him or not, and he, and Mike was very genuine and Jake just respected it and loved it. And just, they had a great night. But that's my fascination, too, with the whole Henry Cejudo element with the MMA side, because he's got a great relationship with Mike Tyson, too. It calls him Uncle Mike, just like what you just said. So I know he's a lot smaller than than Jake, too. But, I mean, if there's ever any overlap with a commonality in Mike Tyson, that's the one I see, what you just mentioned. I mean, a lot of people get along with Mike. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean Henry's going to necessarily get along with Jake. But... I don't have a problem with, with Henry not liking Jake at all. That's fine if he doesn't like him. But if you want to call him out and you want to do all this stuff, then, bro, come to the gym. Like, no one's going anywhere. No one's worried about you. Trust me. Come to the gym. And you guys can box. You, we're not rolling around. But if you want to try to box and you want to try to show show Jake how tough you are boxing, bro, you're invited any time. Can, we can make that happen. I like the open invitation, you yeah. know, that you're 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 yeah. leaving here for a lot yeah. of people just to come there and show up. That's it, man. Headgear? Would they wear headgear, anyone? They can or not. It doesn't matter. We, we do it both ways. But for sparring, we normally do headgear. But if, if someone wants to come in talking like that, I mean, like, we'll go both ways. We're just going to... We we just we'll, we'll figure it out before the sparring, but it's like we'll we'll go both ways. Jake, hey, man, Jake doesn't give a shit. Trust hey, me. Hey, the Diaz brothers. Now that I think about it yeah. on the fly, they have a tie to the Bones Adams gym yeah. too, man. They can come through too. But the only thing is, if we're talking about maybe fighting one of them, we're not going to do it. But if the other one wants to come in and spar, no problem. He can come in and get it too. I like that, yeah. man. There's not leaving anything on the table from that. There's not as long as you're within a certain weight. Any of those guys can come in. Any it doesn't matter. So. Um, I don't like to be more than, you know, 10 to 15 pounds apart, but if they want to, no problem. But that's what makes this whole Logan Paul fight with Mayweather yeah. crazy. We're talking about 50 pounds. Do you think they're going to make Logan cut any weight? Well, it's an exhibition. So, right. um, and, and Logan, last time I saw him, he was already down to like 190. He, he was looking pretty trim. And now it makes sense why he was so lean. But I can't see Logan getting too much lower than 185 and being productive in the fight because, no. you know, you just can't lose weight like that and be productive. Trust me. Um, it's tough. So we'll, we'll see. So what is the end goal for all this? I mean, we are we're talking the upper le- echelon right now. Yeah. We're talking the Conor McGregor's yeah. on a Mike Tyson undercard. Massive talking- guy. I mean, Con- and please like don't take it the wrong way. Like I'm I'm a big fan of Conor. I think he's a great fighter. He's an amazing fighter. I let, I let Jake and him talk or whatever. M- mainly just Jake talking right now. But I let him talk. I'm the trainer. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take digs at Conor. I'll let Jake can do all that. I kind of keep it more professional, but um, you know, Jake is the the social uh, the social media and the and the master marketer. So I kind of let him do his thing and I do my thing. But I just I got I have a lot of respect for Connor. But I would love to see the fight. He talked about his wife. Do you yeah. think there's crossing a line there at all? Or are you just letting bit. him do his thing? A little bit. Do you guys remember that meme that Connor put up of Khabib's wife with I the do. towel on the head? I and do. Said, hey, your wife yeah. looks like a towel. Yeah, I do. I just you know and then talking about religion with Khabib's family and so like there's a lot there's, there's a lot of things that people say a lot of times get swept under the rug and just you know it, it creates you know drama and it creates opportunities for fights to get made so I kind of stay out of all that stuff um, it's not my style but uh, you know it is what it is and uh, if the fight gets made then I guess it worked very very true. Mm-hmm.
Any anything else you want to ask BJ on that topic? <laughs> well, Helen's got a question. What is it, Helen? Yeah, I could see. Her. I could see. <laughs> well, Spit it out. It's kind of off topic about but, the Mike Tyson. Just yeah. want to get your thoughts on Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. Oh, just you know, just two legends in the ring. I mean, I thought I thought Mike won the fight. You know, I thought Roy would win the fight, but I think Mike was just too big in there. He just he went to the body too good, and I think he took an extra three months for the fight. They pushed it back because, you know, you got to remember Mike was coming off, you know, 17 years off the couch. And, uh, you know, he was big. He lost a lot of weight and very, very smartly and very championship mindset. He's like, look, let's push the fight back three months. Roy was mad. Roy was in shape. It was a big advantage for Roy to fight Mike on short notice. You give Mike an extra three months notice and it made it a different fight. So, you know, good job on the strategy part of Mike Tyson. But that's a that's a big, big, big aspect in that fight, getting pushed back three months and giving Mike that extra three months to really get his body right. And, I mean, he showed up and did what he had to do. I thought he won the fight. It was a great show for the fans. But, uh, you know, Jake stole the show. Does uh, Uncle Mike fight Holyfield next? I don't know. I feel like he's earned the right to fight whoever he wants to fight. Mike can do whatever Mike wants to do. And I don't think anybody's going to really question it. He's, he's earned his stripes. And, you know, Evander has too. So whoever it is, I mean... I'll support it either way. It doesn't matter. So, And you like this whole direction of where we're going. We're talking legacy fighting, YouTubers. Yeah. You like where this sport is headed. As someone who's going to be calling the next Olympic fights for yeah. NBC, you like yeah. the direction of where boxing is headed. I do. One thing that I, I, I won't do is I won't say anything or I won't take sides. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it down the middle how I see it. I don't care. I've had best friends fighting before. I've had friends versus guys that I don't even know fighting before. But my job as an NBC commentator was to call the damn thing like I see it. And I don't care because the fighters work too hard. You know what I mean? They work too hard, and I always want the right guy to win. I don't care if it's my buddy or not. But with that being said, I like the way the direction's going. I like it. I think it's it's creating a lot of new fans, and I think it's bringing a lot of new excitement. And uh, I think mixing the, the kind of hybrid fights from boxing – um, to MMA, we tried doing it on some Roy Jones, uh, Roy Jones cards in like 2010 and 11. We had Roy Nelson, we had a couple of the other guys like doing MMA fights on boxing cards, and we were doing those kind of shows. And you know, it was a good idea then, but they we just couldn't carry it out. But now, bringing MMA guys into the boxing ring and vice versa, I think it's great. I like it because it's tailoring to the younger audience. And yeah. I literally created the Schmo character to tailor to the younger audience <laughs> and to make fun of the stupid status quo. You get the same yeah. generic questions, yeah. the same exact yeah. stuff from the media. So that was my big F you to everyone, create the character. And then when they said, <laughs> oh, you can only do three, four-minute interviews, oh, we can do a podcast. We can sit down for an hour and chop it up. I love the character, man. I, I love the character. And I went back after you came to the gym that one day and I watched some of your old stuff, looked through your old videos, and I was just, I was just dying laughing. But you know what? The content of what you say, though, is spot on. You come from a place that's an, a very educated place. You're not just coming out of right field somewhere. If you were, I'd tell you. But you, you, the stuff you say, I'm like, this kid's uh, a little smarter than the, the the whole schmo character. Like, trust this guy knows what he's talking about. I appreciate that, and yeah, I man. disguise it that yeah. way. And like, I, I honestly, for me to get to where I want, yeah. I want to be calling this stuff. I want to be yeah. the interviewer, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Jim Gray afterwards yeah, doing yeah, yeah. the fights because I think the more kids can relate to that. And I won't ask the same question. You know, he wins a fight, Jake. How does it feel to knock? Oh, we all know he feels freaking great. All right, <laughs> the Larry Merchant. How does it feel? It takes thirty seconds to ask the question, and then also it's the same question every time. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we need to switch it up. You yeah. know, that's that's what it's for. That's what it's all about. We need to show that entertainment. Uh, and that's what I think is missing, specifically, not just in this sport, but all of sports media in general. After Jake's next fight, I got to bring you in for the interview. Let's go, baby. We'll do it, man. I'll be part <laughs> yes. of the broadcast. That's what I'm saying. Let's I'll do it. it just on the new media yeah. and the yeah. traditional media. We, yeah, we do yeah, the hybrid yeah. of it. Will you be in character for the broadcast? 100%. Or you not? <laughs> this, this, you're catching me right now. Yes. This show right here is the Perfect. only time I'm out of character. Right. Literally Fight just for the Clark hour. Kent version. <laughs> <laughs> only thing for it. I love the guy in character. I like him out of character, too. He's sharp. But yeah, I, I they're love, very different. I love right? the guy in character. Trust me. We're going to supplement this podcast. I got the stuff in the Car. We're going to do it right when we wrap <laughs> yeah. this up in a Love few it. minutes. But right. I did want to, on the Olympic side, I did yeah. want to ask you one more thing, too. Okay. Uh, there has been no MMA talk, really. I guess there might be some talk, but there's no MMA action in the Olympics. Right. Do you think MMA is ready now to be an Olympic sport? And I know the other opposite of the argument is what sport would you take out of the Olympics to put MMA in? Yeah. But do you think MMA is ready to be an Olympic sport? Um... I think it, it's going to take a little time still because the rest of the world maybe isn't as ready as we are. So when you when you when you call Olympics and you talk about Olympics, you're talking about a worldwide tournament kind of. And I just don't feel like MMA is big enough all over in all other countries to to really 
um, maybe take out a sport that's been there for 200 years or 300 years. So um, I think eventually it'll get there. I think it'll be definitely one of the most entertaining Olympic sports, which I would love to see it. But uh, I just I feel like it probably needs a little more time to you know kind of resonate throughout the rest of the world and get more you know amateur competitors. And I just don't know in countries like. Um, you know, um, in South America and countries like, you know, where the boxing is still, you know, prevalent and boxing is good or, or the countries in like Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and some of those countries, if they have enough, you know, numbers to be able to turn out like an Olympic level type of program, I don't know. So, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We would like to see it, man. Yeah. But that's a really, really good point because yeah. it is growing. I think it Two is cheer, the fastest yeah. growing sport in the oh, world yeah. right now too. I mean, the UFC has been able to put on fights every week. It seems to, oh, yeah. to be through this pandemic and they're able to make it work. So we'll see where it goes from there. And I become a fan. I really, I really have. Like after you know watching some of the fights I have over the years and seeing some of the great champions, then you know meeting Adesanya and a couple of the other fighters that I've, I've been able to meet over the years and just you know being fans of them. It's just uh, you know, and now the Jake's you know calling out a lot of these MMA guys. Now I have to start watching them and you know kind of seeing wh- where they're coming from and how they fight. And uh, it's it's uh, it's it's very entertaining. Who do you, Mike Perry? Mike Perry's now calling him out too. I mean, look. I mean, how much does he weigh? He fights at 170, but he probably walks around at around 195. He can get it, man. Trust me, he can definitely get it. He can come to the gym anytime he wants. Seriously, if he wants to box, he can come anytime he wants. And if he's got may- a boxing background, th- I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, if he, he's getting that'll that'll help him then. Good. So, who do you think from the MMA side has the best hands? I don't know. I think Masvidal is a great striker. I think Connor's an amazing striker. Very good. Um, you guys spent time with Masvidal too, didn't you? Last year, maybe in Miami. Jake, Jake, Jake met him there. We saw him real quick, but it wasn't like we hung out and trained with him or anything. But he's, you know, super. I, I've, I've always been a fan of his striking. I think he's a very good striker. I think Nate Diaz was a good striker. He's a very good striker. I think you know, whenever you've been in camp with guys like Andre Ward and guys like that who are saying, "Look, this guy is, would have a decent career in boxing." I mean, obviously he's working with something, and I, I think Nate Diaz is a very good striker. He's a better striker, you know, hands-wise probably than Connor and Masvidal, just because he was so consistent. He was all over the. He, was, he, he mauled you. He was just you couldn't get away from him. Big fan of his, but uh, there's some good strikers out there. Definitely, I'm not dismissing these guys, but I'm just like from if you're sitting where I'm sitting, then I got to ace up my sleeve. So. Any final thoughts you want to give the Schmozone audience, man, before we let you out of here? No, just thank you so much for having me on. Jake Paul, 2021. Um, you know, stay tuned. Be patient. You'll see. And uh, that's it. We're looking for big things in 2021 and looking for the biggest names in the UFC, the biggest names in MMA to come over to the boxing, boxing ring. Well, I got something to keep your balls nice and uh, warm. We got <laughs> our sponsor, uh, Sheath yes. Underwear, man. Orange camo, man. Yes, I love camo and I love Sheath. Perfect. Yes, I love these. Got awesome. you a pair of underwear from our sponsor. <laughs> Shout out to them. Shout out to love Fusion it. CBD. Yes. Sports water and Love some it. egg weights. You ever do shadow boxing with egg weights, man? Egg weights, yeah. We got them in the we got them in the gym. We use them. I like those, and I like the little just the hand weights too. So they all work, man. Yeah. This is the Schmozone episode forty six. Helen, final yes. thoughts. Thank you so much for coming on our show, and like David mentioned, for yeah. inviting us to the gym of course. a few weeks ago. We'll, so. we'll be back to do more interviews. 100%. You got the interview after the next fight, Shmar. I already told you that. Jake said he liked you. I like you. Let's go, <laughs> Helen. You're amazing. Let's uh, let, let's get it. Appreciate you, man. This is episode 46 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 